today I want to continue to share on the Deeper Life series. The topic I want to talk about is how the Bible illuminates our life. Now, when you walk into an unfamiliar dark room, let me ask you, if I ask you to go into a room, dark room, which you are not familiar with, what would you do? The first thing you would do most probably is to look for the light switch. And how do you look for the light switch? You most probably use your hand to try to touch the wall and look for the switch, right? Now, the reason why you do that is because you want to lighten up the room so that you won't stumble, so that you won't hurt yourself, especially your toe. And if you don't, you'll, if you continue to walk in the light, you may not be able to walk properly. You will hurt yourself. You may not see what is there. You may not even know what is there. So lighting up a dark room is very important. And it is, very, it is a basic instinct of what we do. There's no one going to tell you that you need to light up. But every time you enter into a dark room, you will light it up, right? And whenever you watch a comic, whenever you watch a cartoon, and when a character in a cartoon, when they get an idea, inspiration, understanding, what happened? What do you see? You will most probably see a light bulb, a ting, right? A ting there. And that is lighting up because the character may have some difficulty, the character may have some problem. But then when a ting comes up, it shows that there is understanding, inspiration, and there is problem solving. That thing, you know, light bulb will come out. Now, that is what illumination basically means. That you want to light up the dark and you get understanding, you get the uh, uh, inspiration, and also you get the solution. Now, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are meant to have this kind of experience when we read, listen, and study the Word of God. God wants to illuminate His Word for us so that we know what the Bible means. So that we can know the truth of the Bible for our lives. And He wants to show us that light switch. He wants to show us that light switch so that we can accurately see the light. So that we will not be in darkness. And He wants us to have that spiritual thing when we read, study, or hear the Word of God. This is how we can see and understand the Bible that we have never seen before. In fact, I hope that illumination can happen as you listen and as you study this Deeper Life Sermon Series in weeks to come. Because the message that we are, are preaching is all interconnected. Now let me do some recap here. Remember from last two Sunday, when Pastor Nick shared, he talks about revelation inspiration. Now, revelation is the work of God revealing Himself through the living Word. That God revealed Himself through His Word. God is alive and He wants to show to us that He is God and He is alive. He, not He is alive. He is a true and living God. He is a living God and He is a true God. God wants to reveal Himself to us through His Word. That's revelation. And how do... How does God did it? Through inspiration. He uses many different people over a period of 1,500 years, more than 40 people to pen down, to write down the Bible. Inspiration. God inspired people to write the Bible. And then God illuminates us. Whenever we read the Word of God, God will illuminate us. God will bring to light it is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring understanding to the written word of God. Now, in Hebrew chapter 1, we read that revelation is completed. The word of God is completed. There's no more new word. There's no more new book in the Bible to be discovered. No, it's completed. Inspiration is completed. No one, no one is used by God to write any more new book in the Bible. But illumination continues. It happens every time someone reads the Word of God. It continues. Even right now, when you are hearing the Word of God, illumination 
is happening and it happens actively. Now, of course, illumination does not happen every single time when we read the Bible. When I read the Bible, illumination that ping, doesn't happen every single time I read the Bible, especially when I read the book of Numbers. Sometimes I get a lot of illumination. When I read the Bible, I get a lot of understanding and inspiration. In fact, yesterday night when I read one simple word, verse, Acts chapter, 9, uh, uh, Acts chapter 9 verse 17, I told my wife, I said, hey, I've never, uh, I've never noticed that this portion, this specific word is in that sentence. It talks about Paul being uh, uh, prayed for by Ananias so that he can see again and to be filled by the Holy Spirit. I always thought that God used Ananias to pray for Paul so that he can see again. Full stop. But then there is that word that says that and also to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And then it gave me some illumination. The thing happened. It won't happen always. But there are times that there are many, many illuminations. And there are times that I felt nothing. If you ask me to read the book of Numbers right now to you, there's zero illumination. Nothing. No ting, 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 nothing. So what are the differences? Why, why, why is it sometimes you have a lot of illumination? Why is it sometimes there's no illumination? Is it because you're smarter? No, I don't think so. Is it because you have gone through a lot of Bible training, Bible classes, theological training? Perhaps. But I also don't think so. Is it because some of you, you are more holy? Absolutely not. God has no favoritism. As much as I can understand the Bible, you can also understand the Bible. God speaks to everyone the same. Now, while illumination... It is the work of the Holy Spirit to give you that spiritual thing, you know. It's also a partnership of how hungry, how open our desire to the Word of God. It also depends on that. It's not automatic, but also it's not all the time. When God gave us His Word, His living Word, it is not just for good information or good knowledge. He has not just given us a Bible Revealed to us a Bible. Ask people to write the Bible, compile it and says, here you go, my good and faithful servant. This is the Bible. Go therefore and read it daily and bye-bye. God did not give us the word and abandon us just like that. He also have given us this process called illumination so that we can understand and we can know the truth and we can apply it. God wants us to know Him personally through His Word, the Bible. And He has promised to bring understanding to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Psalms 119, verse 105, it says here, Your Word, your Word, the written Word of God, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And Psalms 119, it says here, The unfolding of the word of your word gives light the unfolding meaning that as you study as you listen as you understand the unfolding of your word gives light it gives understanding to who to the pastor to the smart one to those who have attended theological college no it gives understanding to the simple to you and to me so these two verses tell us that the word of god is a light. The unfolding of this light gives understanding. And this is the process of illumination. God's word, the Bible says, is light. And the unfolding of it gives understanding. It is the illumination of the Holy Spirit doing that in us as we read and study the Bible that gives us the understanding. It is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit which enables every believer to understand the scripture.
God with His revelation revealed to us who He is. With inspiration, let many people pen down the Bible, compile it, and God wants us to understand it, apply it through illumination. And that is the process that I want to talk about today and also next Sunday. Next Sunday, Pastor Wan is going to come to talk about how we are going to be able to have the illumination whenever we study the Word of God. But today, I just want to have one point, one simple point. But one point, there are five sub-points. Now, in order for illumination to happen, there's only one point here. First thing, we need to love the Word of God deeply. Not just love the Word of God. I add this word deeply. Because it's not just loving the Word, but loving the Word of God deeply. What it means? It means that there is always a deepening love. It's not just love the Word deeply as in the destination. I love the Word of God, full stop. It's not just a destination. It is a process that I love the Word of God deeply, deeper and deeper, continually. We must love the Word of God deeply. Because illumination starts with loving the Word of God, treasuring the Word of God, valuing the Word of God. Psalms 109 verse 97, it says here, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. How I wish that every one of us can have this passion. To say that I love your law. I love the Word of God. I love the instruction of God. And I meditate on it. I think about it. I chew on it. I don't watch TikTok or YouTube or K-drama. I watch, read the Word of God all day long. Psalms 19, uh, 119, verse 127. I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold. That means, uh, if there's a Bible and a bunch of gold, I hope that you will run to it and you take the Bible. You value it more than gold. And the next one, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 3 to 6. He says here, Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it, the word of God, as for silver and search the word of God, as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find what? Find knowledge of God. Because God gives wisdom and his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You see, notice the value, the value that the psalmist plays on the word of God. The psalmist says, oh, oh, uh, oh, how I love the word of God. More precious than pure gold. And the psalmist will search for it like a hidden treasure. All these point to us that we need to value, love the word of God deeply. More than pure gold. But we are not going to see that light, that thing, spiritual thing, if we do not read, study, meditate, search out the truth. Just now, in the book of Proverbs, it says that search for the word of God as for a hidden treasure. Now, this gives a picture that the word of God is like a hidden treasure. That there is an X mark that you would like to go and search for it. And after you found the X mark, you need to dig. It's not just going to lie around on the street, right? If you want to go for a look for treasure, you just look for where the X mark is. And you have to make the effort to dig and dig deep. That's what the Word of God is. The Word of God, the Bible is full of all the X marks. Is, am I correcting correctly? X marks. X marks. And after you found the X mark, you need to dig. You need to chew on it. You need to search for it. That's another way to put the word of God. God gave us that word. But we need to make that effort as we find that X mark to dig it, to look for it. There are many tre uh, hidden treasure in the word of God. The treasure of hope, love, joy, peace, the treasure of understanding, the treasure of wisdom, the treasure of how you are going to have a happy marriage, the treasure of how you are going to advance your career, the treasure of how you are going to get healing. There are many, many treasures in the Word of God. But you have got to 
open the Word of God, search for it, and also dig out for it. And many times, we found the axe, but we just stood there. We did not dig deep. We just stood there. Understanding don't come when you just stand on the X mark. You need to dig it up and get that goal. It takes time to process what you read. It takes time to dig deep. It takes time to pray. That is, there are some of the things that we need to do so that illumination can come. If you once found that hidden treasure, I believe that many of you have done it before, encountered that hidden treasure before, you will be full of joy. Just like someone who had found X mark, dug up, and he found the hidden treasure. What joy it is. So today, I want to share about five metaphors of what the Bible tells us about the Word of God. So that it will help us to understand what happened when we love the Word of God, when we found the Word of God, what happened when we encountered the Word of God, what happened when the thing comes up. The first, the Bible tells us the five metaphor. The first one is this. It is like a seed. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. The Bible tells us that the word of God is like a seed. We are born again with imperishable seed. Now, if a farmer were to plant a rambutan, he will get a rambutan fruit, right? If a farmer were to plant a mango, what fruit would he get? Mango. If a farmer were to plant durian, yes, some of you say Musang King. You know specifically, not just durian, you know it's Musang King. That's a sign that you really did your study. You know. You tasted it before. You know. You see, this verse talks about two kinds of seeds. The perishable seeds and imperishable seed. Now, if you plant a perishable seed, what kind of crops would you get? Perishable crops. If you plant imperishable seed, what would you get? Imperishable crops. Now, one reason why you and I struggle to read the Bible is that we plant perishable seed, expecting to get imperishable crops. Let me give you the example. We all want joy. We all want joy. Meaning that, that deep sense of joy in us, that satisfaction of joy in us, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what is going on in our life, there is joy. We all want that. So, what did we plant? We plant happiness. We plant things called shopping. You get happiness. We plant things called playing video game. We get happiness. You plant things called sleeping all day, doing nothing. We plant things called workaholic. We plant things called going for yamcha again and again and again and again being an alcoholic perhaps. We plant perishable things, hoping that we get imperishable crops with this joy. Yes, you may do things that can give you happiness, healthy things perhaps, but those are perishable seed that we planted, which we want to get imperishable crops. The Bible says, the word of God is imperishable seed that will teach us what kind of seed that we need and we can plant so that we get imperishable crops. The Bible will teach us what seed to plant so that we get love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. This is what the Word of God can do to us. If we want to have fulfillment, if we want to have God's presence in our life. We need to plant imperishable seed. We need to start coming to the Word of God. Not just reading it, but dig deep. Letting the Holy Spirit give us that spiritual thing, illumination. God's Word is the seed for imperishable crops that we long for. 
every one of us. And you cannot get that genuine, imperishable crops if you don't come to the Bible. Nothing else. No health, uh, self-help book. No, no, no YouTube can help you to get that. That's why we need to start sowing the seed of the Word of God so that we get our life, in our life, that imperishable, eternal crops. That crops that no one can steal. The crops that you will not fade away. The Word of God is like a seed. Secondly, the Word of God is like a sword. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the whole armor of God. That God would ask us and says, these are all the armor, spiritual armor that you need to put on. The helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, and comes to verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. The sword which is the word of God. The word of God is like a sword. And it is for us to defend against the attack of the enemy or we can use it as an offensive weapon against the enemy. A lot of time we want to be victorious in our life. But if you do not have the weapon, the word of God, how are you going to wage war or battle or even defend yourself against trial, temptation, tribulation? So the word of God is like a sword. Now, notice this. If you do not have a sword, if I don't give you a sword and I rope in all of you to go for battle, would you go? No. You won't go with bare hand. You will ask me, where are our weapons? If I tell you that, you're two knuckles. Go and fight people who have advanced military plane and tanks. Would you go? No. You see, we are living that life right now. That many of us, we are living our life without the weapon, the Word of God. Without any defense, the Word of God. And yet, we are struggling, battling out there. And wondering, why when I read the Bible, there's no illumination? Why it doesn't make sense? Why I cannot get the blessing from God when I read the Bible? Because you're not carrying that sword. And then, the next one, Hebrew chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing souls and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of hearts. Now, the word of God is like a sword, double-edged sword that will slice you. Now, take note, just now, yeah, when, when uh, we read in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, the sword is in our hand. We use it to defend, we use it to attack. But here in Hebrew, the sword is in God's hand. And God uses that word, the sword, to slice us. Why? Because God wants to cut away. God wants to do that spiritual surgery to cut away the cancer in our lives. What kind of cancer in our life? Pride. Ego. Presumptuousness. Not being teachable. Don't want to forgive. The attitude that is not in line with God. God wants to cut away, slice us through. But you know what? God is not like an enemy that He used the sword to kill us. No. God is our Father in heaven. He used the sword, even though he will slice things that is not good, it is for our own good. That is the difference. God used the word, the sword, to perform that surgery, to cut away things, not to harm us, not to cause us pain. Of course, it will be painful, but it's not to cause us pain, it's to give us greater growth. It is also to prune us 
for those of you who are doing planting, you know that sometimes you need to cut away some branches here and there so that there will be greater growth. And also, you need to cut away dead leaves also. That is the sword in God's hand. So the Word of God is like sword. In our hand, it is a weapon and also a defense. In God's hand, God will use it to slice us. Now, if you think that whenever you read the Word of God, you are going to think that, oh, I don't want to read the Word of God. Why? Because I'm scared that it will be a weapon that God will use to slice me. Let me tell you this. It will happen. It will happen. When you read the Word of God, God will slice you. Again, it's not to harm you. It's really to point out to you, hey, you have this cancer. You have this dead part. You have this growth which is good, but yet I want to cut it away so that you can grow in a direction that God wants you to grow. And that's why we need not to worry or scared of the Word of God. Sometimes we avoid reading the Word of God because we know, we know there are good stuff there. It's just that we don't want to face that. That's why we don't read it. And number three, the Word of God is like food. Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16. Jeremiah says, when your word, he told God, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Now this may sound weird or funny, but Jeremiah actually ate the scroll that God told him to write. The scroll, the papyrus scroll. He wrote the word of God and he ate it. He really literally ate it. Put it into his mouth, chew it, swallowed it. And he said that the word of God is a joy and a delight. It's incredible. Maybe he's the first performing artist to eat the scroll. But he ate it. This is not something... Uh, 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 metaphor, but he literally ate the word, the scroll. And he says, it's a joy and delight. And then in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 2 to 3, he says here, then he, God, said to me, Ezekiel, son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving to you and fill your stomach with it. So Ezekiel ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And then he said to me, Son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them. Here, we read another prophet, Ezekiel, ate the scroll. Now, if you ever wonder what the scroll tastes like, well, here it says it tastes as sweet as honey. Now, I'm not suggesting that you do it afterward when you go home you go to your shelf, bookshelf, you took your Bible and you take your Bible and you tear, tear off the pages and try to eat it. I'm not suggesting that. God never tell you to do it, okay? But here, it says that it is as sweet as honey in my mouth. Both Jeremiah and Ezekiel ate the scroll. It is a joy. It's a delight. It is as sweet as honey. When you read the Bible, would it be a joy, a delight, and sweet? Or do you drag yourself trying to read, listen, and study the Word of God? Do you drag your word when you open the first page? The first word that you read, you felt boring and you want to sleep already. Is it a joy and delight? I hope that you will be a joy and delight and you will be sweet. Because... After Ezekiel ate it, it was sweet. And God says, go and speak. Out of that sweetness, he spoke to the rest of the Israelites. We need to start taking in the word of God as food, spiritual food. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus says this, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus compared the word of God to daily bread that we need. Daily bread that we need. What he meant was that he, we need spiritual food 
we need to get the spiritual food from the Word of God. We need to feed ourselves with that spiritual food. How can we get that spiritual food? Reading, listening, studying. No other way. Reading, hearing, studying. Every time when the Word of God is being taught, being preached, being read, being studied, you and I, we are being fed spiritually. If you consistently read the Word of God, you are consistently feeding yourself with the spiritual food. If you consistently study the Word of God, you consistently feed yourself. If you are not, perhaps you are under nutrition. And sadly, after COVID, studying, reading, listening to the Word of God, Bible study, Sunday service, daily devotion, it has become something that we do when we are free, when we are convenient. The pattern that we see, not just for our church, but when I ask other pastors from other churches, we all agree that the pattern we saw that many believers, they will come to church on Sunday or on weekend service when it is convenient or when they have no other things to do. Because during COVID, they are so accustomed of having the habit that there are many other things to do. Sunday, I can take that time and day to do what I need to do. And therefore, worship takes a second place. And this habit continues on even right now. Coming to worship has become something that they say, yeah, it's so inconvenient, so fun. I need to drive all the way, change, come here, sit down. And after that, after listening, drive home, the traveling, the parking, the changing, it is so inconvenient. Or they may say that, hey, Sunday I have other things to do. I slot in other things that I need to do. As a result, there's no spiritual feeding of the Word of God. For many Christians, Sunday is the only time that they feed themselves with the Word of God. There's no studying the Word. There's no reading of the Word on their own from Monday to Saturday. Only Sunday they come to listen. And that's the only time they feed themselves. And even then, they only come when they have nothing else to do. No other appointments. As a result, spiritually malnutrition. Struggling to live their life. You hear a lot of people saying that stress, pastor stress, stress. Not enough time. Not enough time. Stress. Why? Because you are trying to feed yourself, you are trying to go according to your own life not according to the Word of God. So we need to feed ourselves consistently with the Word of God. Make time. Make time. Many of us, we think that, hey, yeah, eating a meal is very troublesome. Yes, but you will still sit down and eat a meal. Some of you may say, Pastor, when I drive, I eat my meal, I save time. Yes, do that. When you drive, eat your meal. When you drive, eat your spiritual meal. How? Turn on the podcast. Listen to this sermon again. We have audio podcasts for our Sunday messages. Listen to it. When you are doing your uh, uh, walking or running, listen to it. You can re-listen, re-watch. Make effort to take in that spiritual food. And as, and as a pastor, it is a concern whether you are taking the food or not. I always ask God, God, always uh, hold me accountable that every time when I preach, I teach, or we have Bible classes, that as pastor, we will do our best to give you the best food, a proper meal, but at the same time, we also need the believer of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, to be fed. It takes two. Faithful teaching from the pulpit and also faithful learning from the people of God. 
Now, some of you may think that, oh yeah, pastor, sometimes uh, when I come, uh, I don't get the spiritual food. Now, let me make this clear. Whenever the word of God is preached, whoever is preaching, however boring it may sound like to you, whenever the word of God is preached, you are being fed. The food is there. But it may be a matter of your preference. Some of you, may, you may like McDonald's, the fast food kind of burger. Some of you, you may like Burger Lab, the, 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 the specialty burger. Some of you may like Romley Burger only. It's a matter of your taste. But whenever the Word of God is preached, let me tell you this, whoever preaches it, whenever the Word of God is faithfully preached, then you have been fed. Don't mistaken your preference with being fed or not. Many, many years ago, and I would like to give this credit to Elder E, he taught me one thing when I was very young. He says that one art that every believer needs to learn is this. Sit through a boring sermon and still learning something from it. I remember that. Early. Sit through, learn to sit through a boring sermon and still learn something. Thank God. I don't need to sit through many boring sermons because First Assembly always preach exciting sermon. Amen? Amen. So don't feel that, hey, on Sunday I come, no purpose. Ah. There is a purpose that we will be fed. On Sunday, I don't need to turn on the TV and watch. Ah. Turn on, join us online if you are not able to come physically. Sit through it. Focus. For those of you who are watching online, I hope that you are not washing your dishes, eating your breakfast, or doing something else, multitasking. You know who you are you know, when you're watching out there. Focus. Imagine if you bought a very nice meal, but you are doing all other things when you're eating that meal. As parents, what will you do if you see your children taking that bowl of rice, walking here and there, eating while playing, eating while studying, eating while doing other things? As parents, what will you do? You will most probably say, you come here, sit down, eat properly, right? That's the same thing, church. I don't want to be harsh, but all of you come back to church, sit down, eat the food properly. The Word of God is a food that we need to be fed consistently with good food. Good food, not junk food. There are a lot of junk food out there. TikTok, Instagram, a lot of junk food. Feed ourselves with good food. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says here, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now this verse, I want to talk about this. Some of you, you may say, Pastor, I eat good food. I do Bible study. But I don't seem to be able to digest it. Meaning that I don't seem to be able to understand or apply it, Pastor. I attend many of your good teaching, great teaching. You, you, you preach and teach very well, thank God. But I can't seem to digest it. But here it says, like newborn babies crave for spiritual milk. Now, continue to have that craving. Continue to have that desire, appetite and hunger for spiritual milk. Okay, milk. Something very basic. Now, if you study the Word of God, you read the Word of God, you understand the Word of God, it's just that oh yeah, sometimes you can't understand or you don't even know what it says. It also happened to me. There are some portions of Scripture that I read again and again, study again and again, I still can't really understand it. It happens to us as pastor also. But let me suggest to you this. If you find something that is so too difficult for you, don't worry. Focus on those that you can. The simple one. For example, do not lie. Every one of us is simple, right? Don't lie. Whatever circumstances, don't lie. Don't give false testimony. Be truthful. Speak the truth. Another simple truth, love your neighbor. Do not covet. Do not harm your neighbor. 
do not have ill intention of your neighbor. So those are the simple things that you can do and major on. But when you continue to do it again and again, you will get deeper and more understanding. From do not lie, you will learn what it means to speak the truth. From speak the truth, you know what it means to speak life. Not just speaking truth, information, but you speak life. Things that you say, it will start to influence and impact the life of people. Crave for spiritual milk. Do the simple thing. Continue first. God will bring you deeper and deeper. The deepening will come. Like newborn baby, crave for spiritual milk. So, if you're having a hard time understanding the Bible, begin with what you can do. Begin with what you can. So, the Word of God it is like a seed. The Word of God is like a sword. The Word of God is like a food. And fourthly, the Word of God, here comes, like a fire and hammer. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. The Lord says, It's not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. Now here's another tough word, tough verse. Now previously I thought, I, I, uh, I, I thought that the word of God is like a sword. Now it says that the word of God is like a fire hammer. Like fire, it burns us, but it refines us. It will burn out all other impurity. How do you get pure gold? You burn it, you melt it, so that you can get the pure gold. And all impurity will be burned away, or you can separate the gold from all other impurities. But you need burning. High temperature burning. And also, it's like a hammer. Now, why would God use hammer? Why would God need to use hammer on us? Because some of us, we are tough nuts. We have hardened our heart. Our heart is hardened. God needs to use a hammer to break our heart, our attitude, our stubborn mindset so that breakthrough can happen, so that with that brokenness, tenderness can come, compassion can come. There are times that God will burn us, knock us, so that He refine us and break us from our hardened heart. Again, I want to point out is this. It's not to harm us. It's not to hurt us. But it is to take away everything that is not right so that we can remain pure, we can remain holy in the eyes of God. All of this needed to be done. The Word of God will burn us. The Word of God will knock us. Again, it will be painful. Yes, it will be. But God will also give us the comfort and the peace. He is a loving and caring God. So when you read the Bible, if it burns you, if it knocks you, congratulations, you are on the right path. The Word of God is illuminating you. That thing will bring you that burning and hammering process. And finally, number five. The Bible is like a mirror. James chapter 1, verses 23-25. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The Word of God is like a mirror. Today, it is still morning, 11.30. Since you woke up until now, have you looked into the mirror? No need to show a hand. How many of you, you look into the mirror? I believe that most of you, 99.9%. And I believe that 90% of you have looked into the mirror more than once. If not, you risk coming to church with your messy hair, 
with some pieces of your breakfast in between your teeth. Maybe you forget the button. We all look into the mirror. Why? Because we want to see a reflection of ourselves. We want to look at what we look, uh, how we look. So the Word of God is also like a mirror. It shows a spiritual truth about us, who we are, our attitude, our character, our foolishness, our maturity. That's the mirror that God has given us through His Word. But we can't see the spiritual truth about ourselves if we don't look into that mirror. If you look into God's Word, it will open your eyes to see the truth. And it will be very amazing on how quickly the Word of God will show you the truth. I believe when you read the Bible and you read it with an open heart, the Bible is going to show you, reflect to you, let you see your own foolishness, your own pride, your own ego, or your own righteousness. It will reflect to you. The problem is this. Many of us, we look at mirror, but we did not look at the mirror, which is the Word of God. We look at the mirror of other people's opinion. We hear other people's opinion. We value other people's opinion more than ourselves. More than the Word of God. We hear the, 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 the mirror of the society. What does fashion, the popular trend, the culture, more than the Word of God. We hear other people and culture's opinion. Those kind of mirror. Do you know what those kind of mirror are called? It's called fun house mirror. Can I have a next slide? Fun house mirror. The mirror which is distorted, which do not reflect who you are. You may even look uglier if you look at those kind of mirror. But yet we like to look at it. Those are fun house mirror. Do, they do not give you an accurate reflection of yourself. But here we read that the word of God is the mirror that can show us who we truly are, our attitude, our character, our value. Now again, come back to reality. Some of us, when we look at the mirror, we will say, ayo, more, more flesh here, ayo, more flesh here, ayo, here is a black dot here. You see, some of you, when you look at the mirror, you will see, yeah, I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm getting old. There's more freckles. And therefore, we want to look less and less into the mirror. The same attitude. Some of you, you felt, oh, yo, if you look into the Bible, the mirror, I see my ego. I see my sin. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to look into it. You see, many people are afraid to look at the mirror, the Word of God, because they will see their ugliness they will see their sinfulness. And that's exactly the point. You want to see where your weaknesses, your shortcoming, and your sinfulness so that the Bible can point to you your potential, your true identity, your purpose. You see, the mirror, the Word of God, is not just here to show you your weaknesses, your impurities, or your sinfulness. It's also here to show you your potential, to show you what you can be, to show you your purpose and your calling. It's almost, almost like in comic. You can just look at that mirror, the Bible, and it says, mirror, mirror, Bible, Bible on my hand. Show me my purpose for my life. And I can guarantee you, you will find your purpose in life if you look intently, continually in the Word of God. It's a mirror. So, these are five metaphors. Five metaphors that how God can use the Bible, the Word of God to illuminate us. That means that when you read the Bible, your thing can come through what? 
to this five metaphor. As a seed, it will give us imperishable quality, imperishable things in life. Love, joy, peace. As a sword, it's a weapon for us to attack, to defend against the enemy. And as a sword in God's hand, it will cut away our spiritual cancer. As a food, it tastes marvelous. It tastes good. It's a spiritual nourishment that we need. Not just physical food, but spiritual nourishment. As a fire and hammer, it refines us. It breaks us. It breaks our hardened heart. As a mirror, it reflects who we are and who we can really be. These are the five metaphors that will help us to get that illumination. That's the potential and the power of the Word of God. Do you know that the Word of God is so precious, so powerful? The Bible that you have at your home, in your home, on the bookshelf, collecting dust. The Bible in your devices where you open your TikTok more than your Bible app. That Bible app, that Bible on your bookshelf is so powerful. It's so relevant that you can have that life-changing effect on your life. And that is why when you have the Word of God, read it, but not just for information, but also for understanding and application. And that understanding can come with the Word of God, sorry, with the power of God through the Holy Spirit to illuminate you. I hope that when you read the Bible, many things, will come. All the lights will turn on. That's the value of the Word of God. Do you realize the sacrifice of so many people over the past 1,500 years to put the Bible together? After Jesus died, about 1,500 years later, the Word of God is compiled. There is a process of how the Word of God, the Torah, the Psalms, the Proverbs, and all other writings of Paul's, and how it came together, compiled together through many processes. But finally, we, when we get a proper Word of God, it was only available in Latin language. In year 1500, the Bible is only available in Latin language. That means that only the priests, the church leaders, the educated, the elite people, those who are educated, they will understand how to read the Bible in Latin. The common people, the housewife, the farmers, the plowmen, they, they would not be able to read it. So in year 1500, this guy called William Tyndale, he make an effort and says that I want to translate the Bible from Latin to common English. Now, William Tyndale, he is an English biblical scholar from England. He's a linguist. He studied language. He knows more than seven languages. He want to translate the Bible into English, common English. But the authority, the church authority at that time, they says, no, you can't. Because if you translate the word of God from Latin to normal English, you will risk mistranslating it. And if you give the Bible to common people who are not educated, it may be abused. So cannot. But William Tyndale continued his work. He spent most of his life translating it into English bit by bit, not entirely, bit by bit. Whenever he finishes one book, he will give it out. Not publishing because he can't publish it. And because he done it so many times, the authority, the church authority wants to uh, arrest him. So, what he does, what, what did he do? Run away. He ran to Germany. And in Germany, he continued to, uh, to, to, to translate 
the Bible from Latin to English. And after he translated it, he smuggled it back to England. And he did many, many different books of the Bible. And finally, he was arrested and he was strangled. That means that, hang, he was strangled. After strangling dead already, uh, they took the dead body and burned it some more. That was the price that he paid to translate the Bible. And even after he died, he did not manage to translate the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It took some time for the people after him to continue to translate it to English. And the King James Version Bible that we have mostly is based on his William Tyndale's interpret, uh, uh, translation from Latin to English. He paid his life for interpreting the Bible. As to date, it is estimated there were about 8.5 billion copies, hard copies of Bible being printed. Meaning that there are more physical Bible, hard copy Bible, than there are people on earth. The United Nations, UN, has just announced that world population have just reached 8 billion people. And India is now number one in population of the world. Just slightly overtaking China. 8 billion. But it was estimated there was 8.5 billion Bible printed all over the world. Hard copy only. Eh? We are not counting uh, soft copy in your devices, which is impossible to count. But hard copy, 8.5 billion. More Bible than people on earth. There are more than 700 languages that has been translated. The entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, the complete Bible, more than 700 languages and sub-languages has been translated. More than 1,500 other languages, only spoken, not written, but yet there are many people, many organizations who translate the Bible, only New Testament, because their language is very limited, only New Testament is translated more than 1,500 languages, sub-languages. And there are more than 3,000 over other small minority language where only the first four gospel is translated. The rest of the Bible was not. Only Matthew, Mark, Luke and John was translated for that small group of minority people. The word of God is actively being translated. Why? Because we want the word of God to reach to as many people as possible. Why we want to do that? Because we want people to read. Why we want people to read? So that they get to know this God. And the knowing takes illumination. I hope that you understand how precious the word of God is. Today, we are very fortunate. We can get whatever version of the Bible that we can from bookstore. KJV, NIV, NLT, CEV, and the version that I like most is called M, uh, MKV. Uh, sorry, MLV. It's called Michael Leung version. In our handphone, we have all the Bible version. One click of a button. But yet, how are we, in terms of reading, listening, hearing, studying the Word of God? How are we, in terms of understanding and applying the Word of God? You see, the Bible says God's Word is light. And the unfolding of that light Learning, understanding, listening of that word. The unfolding gives understanding so that we can apply in our lives. It can be life-changing and it can be very effective in our life, the word of God. But it takes both our own willingness, obedience, as well as the work of Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 26. But the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you in all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. When you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will be there to teach you. That is the promise of God. When you read the Bible on a daily basis, when you study the Bible, when you join any classes, when you hear the Word of God in sermon, in conferences, the Holy Spirit will teach you. Even right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. But it will not happen if you do not love and treasure the Word of God. It will not happen if you sit here physically and your mind is now thinking of what lunch you want to eat. It will not happen if you sit here and your heart is not with God. Your heart is not open. On the other hand, if you just read and read and read so that you get more information, it will also not work because you need to submit to the illumination and the work of Holy Spirit. It is both our willingness to obey and the power of God. And the result, life transformation. So I hope that today's message will help you to treasure the Word of God, to love the Word of God deeply. Love the Word of God deeply. So as I want to end, I want to give you these three reflection questions. Can I have the uh, musician? In what way has the Word of God been a seed, a sword, food, fire and hammer, and mirror in my life? How has the Word of God been a joy, a delight, and a taste sweet like honey when I read it and study it? What life-transforming fruit can I see in my life as a result of the Word of God? These are the three reflection questions which I want you to just take a minute or two right now. In your own way, as you're seated here, for those of you who are watching online, these are the three questions that I want you to ponder right now. Let's take about a minute or two. Think about one of these three questions and ask yourself, as you hear the Word of God, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Search within my heart these three questions. Let's take some time to reflect. Let's come to the Lord and let's pray. Father Lord, we thank you for your word. The word has been revealed to us because you are a loving and living God. The word which has been inspired to many authors who wrote it over a, a span of 1,500 years. That so amazingly it was compiled for us today. And I ask that every time when we read it, we will learn how to love the word of God deeply. And at the same time, that there will be illumination whereby your Holy Spirit will teach us and it will bring understanding, it will bring inspiration, it will also bring application when we read the Word of God. We want more than just knowledge. We want life transformation when we read it. Whether it is a seed, a sword, food, fire and hammer, or a mirror, all this will work together for us to understand the Word of God so that we can apply it deeply in our lives. And we look forward, Father God, for the many, many light bulb that we can have when we read the Word of God that it will potentially change us from the inside out. Our goal is not just to attend Sunday service. Our goal is to become more like Christ 
in our daily life, in the way we speak, in the way we think, in the way we respond, in the way we love and we care for others or the lack of it. Father God, we want to be more like Christ. We are not living for ourselves. We have a new mandate when we become a Christian. It is to live for the kingdom of God within the kingdom of God and we want to share about the kingdom of God. Father Lord, as we hear this message, humble ourselves, break our heart for what breaks yours, that we will always come back before you and say, God, speak. Holy Spirit, speak. And I will listen. That we will learn how to listen, to discern and to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And there will be greater growth from now onward. And as we come to the end of this year, we will say, yes, indeed, that is change and transformation in my character, my attitude, my value, and how I love God and love others. All this we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless the listening and hearing of the word as you obey and as you listen to Him. Music